Hi everyone, I'm Sinhara and welcome to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. This show is for all women who are dealing with infertility, but it's specifically dedicated to black women because we have a problem with opening up when it comes to this issue. And I don't want to leave out the men, you guys are welcome here too. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Princess Johnson, the founder and director of Royal Expressions Contemporary Ballet, and how she's helping women through dance. Not ready, but it will happen. So I'm joined today by Princess. Uh, she's a dancer uh, based out of North Carolina. She owns her own studio, Royal Expressions, and she's going to be talking about her journey trying to conceive um, and how she ended up also working for Starbucks as a part-time gig, which ended up helping her with her fertility journey. So welcome, Princess. Let's jump straight into your story. Uh, let's talk about your marriage and um, some of the things that you experienced in terms of your first pregnancy. Because we know marriage, you know, you're so happy, you know, you're with the person that you love and you're expecting this perfect, perfect, you know, outcome with family and all that. And then when things don't go that way and you feel kind of isolated, how do you cope and deal with that? Yes. So first off, thank you for inviting me. This is truly a tough topic, but something I'm really passionate about speaking up about because so many people have a hard time navigating their feelings surrounding infertility. And so when me and my husband, we got married in 2011 and we had decided we would wait to have kids because I I run a dance company and it was still fairly new. And my husband was it was um in school to become a pastor. He's in he was in divinity school at the time. So we were gonna wait to have kids and we did. We waited two years. And so I got off of birth control and you think that's the the magic ticket? You stop mm-hmm. birth control and you get <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> And uh, that didn't happen for one year. No biggie. I kind of wasn't really ready, honestly, at that time. So I kind of felt a sigh of relief. But then two years in, it was like a little question mark. Yeah. Okay. At this point, I got married when I was 26 and my husband Mm -hmm. was 29. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, I was approaching 30. And of course, that's when you start to like panic. (laughs) Yeah, and other people start panicking for you. <laughs> and it was like, oh, Lord. Um, so we really probably should figure out what's happening. And so I went to the to my OBGYN, and she knew we were trying to get pregnant, but she hadn't really pressed the issue. And so I brought it up again. I was like, yeah, we've still been trying to get pregnant for the last two years, and nothing has really happened. And we were having sex pretty regularly. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, think that should have happened by now. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I do remember a friend remark. She's like, you do know what you need to do to get pregnant. And I remember laughing about that. At that point, I wasn't really sensitive about what was going on. I was still yeah. kind of, I guess, not even necessarily in denial, but just not really clear on exactly what infertility was. Because, you know, as as a Black person... You don't hear about that a lot. And 
it seems like everybody and their mama is having babies in your family. Yeah. So you don't mm-hmm. think you're going to be impacted or affected Having by issues. It. Yeah. So when she, she went on and had me do an HCG test, which mm-hmm. I think that's the right letters, but basically it's the one where they shoot the dye yes. and they look to see if your um, tubes and everything is clear and you don't have mm-hmm. any type of blockage. Blockages. And mm-hmm. so that was fine. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Check. We're good with that. So what do we need to do next? And the doctor's office said the doctor will call me back. Well, two years went by and I never heard back from the doctor. Wow. Um, I kind of just was starting to like really think about this thing. Like, what if we can't get pregnant? And I kind of slipped into a depression, but I didn't even know that I was in a depression. I just, I just, I guess we were at a place where we weren't. My husband and I weren't really talking about it. Yeah. We just kept, you know, believing, but, mm-hmm. and hoping, oh, we'll just turn up pregnant, whatever. Yeah. So I just got to the point where I was just frustrated. I remember there was a Mother's Day that pretty much is the straw that broke the camel's back. And we had went to visit my husband's mom and we were at her church and one of his aunts or cousins, an elderly person, of course, walks up to us and they're like, well, when are you going to become a mom? And oh, wow. I just like broke down and started crying and had to just yeah. leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's when I realized that I had been holding all of that in inside and just realized like, I don't know yeah. <laughs> if I ever will or this will ever like what is going on. Yeah. And so that was my wake up call. And uh, I just remember just not knowing what to do next, not feeling like my doctor didn't care whether I got pregnant or not. It wasn't. And why didn't the doctor call for two years? Do what? Why didn't the doctor call for two years? Like when you took the HSG? I still to this day don't know. What I ended up doing is uh, with my dance company, I ended up creating a production to uh, open up dialogue about fertility. Yes, and we're going to jump into that um, next segment. Yes. Because I think that's so important. So we we did that, and I had a doctor on the panel. And so afterwards, I was like, are you taking new new, uh, clients? Because I need a doctor who cares and, like, is committed to making sure we we get through the necessary steps. Yeah. And it's funny because she actually worked at the same clinic as my doctor, So I switched doctors and she was just a lot more supportive. Misconception. So you ended up conceiving and I know you mentioned that that pregnancy didn't go to full term and then going through that process, again, you started to feel isolated. And so you end up you know, turning to your artistry to use that as a vehicle to not just help yourself, but to help other people who were suffering and going through the pain that you were experiencing. Can you talk about that? Yes. So we got married, what I say, in 2011. So about 2013, we started trying to conceive. And in 2014, I do remember waking up in the middle of the night with the most horrible cramps I've ever had in my life. 
just woke up screaming. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. And I went and sat in the toilet and just, well, we're talking about fertility. So, you know, it gets wrong. Yeah. It's just, I just had diarrhea really bad. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, my husband is like, what can I do? Like, he didn't know how to help me. I'm like, I don't know. And I uh, felt like I was just going to vomit, but I never did. Mm. Yeah. And immediately after that, it, I was just bleeding. So mm-hmm. I never had, I had stopped taking pregnancy tests because I was just tired of them being negative. <laughs> so if I was pregnant, I never had confirmation, but we're pretty sure what, what I experienced was a chemical pregnancy. I just started moving. So you were mentioning having conceived around 2013, you woke up one night and you were extremely sick. Your husband was trying to comfort you, trying to figure out what was going on. And then you said that led to unfortunately bleeding. Um, And then, so where did you go from there? So after that experience, I wasn't really sure what happened, but I'm pretty sure I didn't realize it until probably like a few months later that it was probably a chemical pregnancy because mm-hmm. I just figured, okay, I got sick. Maybe that's my period. I don't know, but it ended up seeming like a period came. Mm-hmm. And so a few months later, I realized this must have been a chemical pregnancy because I had been reading up on some things and trying to understand what was going on. And for me, I just felt really lost and like not really sure what to do next, not having guidance from my doctor and just feeling just really in a dark place and alone and not knowing who to reach out to. I remember I just was like in the dance studio one day and I just started moving. I just started moving. Then I went and sat down in my office and I just recorded myself talking about what what it's been like for us. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first the first thing I said was I never thought getting pregnant would be so hard. <laughs> uh-huh. And what I ended up doing that day is I I took the video of the movement and I took my voice and I laid them on, on top of each other. And Mm. it was crazy because the movement matched what I was saying and I had did both separately. Mm. And so I was like, I need to tell more of our stories. Like people need to know that this is a thing happening out here and, and women particular and especially men are afraid to talk about it because Mm -hmm. It just seems so common and easy to get pregnant. You grow up and you hear, you know, you don't do this or you'll get pregnant. Don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> it's like always been both don't. our life trying not to get pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's so like, wait a minute, this is actually. So I started reading the statistics and I'm like, this actually isn't an uncommon thing. And so the name of the show I gave it was uh, Misconception. Mm, and so I just wanted people to understand that conceiving isn't what we all thought it to be that there's so many stories out here I only shared three in the show but I mean goodness so many people came to me and like were sharing that they did this or that and like everyone's scenario their solution their pathway their journey is just totally different to conceiving a child Take a leap. 
So now let's talk about your path to Starbucks and your fertility journey from there. So I remember posting, this was some months ago, maybe a year ago now, <laughs> posting, I forget, I posted something on Instagram about infertility, which I do try to do at least two days a week. And I remember someone actually I went to college with, um, and I know she's had her own um, fertility, I wouldn't say issues. She has secondary infertility issues. She has one child um, and hasn't been able to carry full term uh, for a second. But anyhow, she posted about Starbucks. And I know from there, several people started messaging me, asking me about Starbucks um, offering uh, fertility assistance. I'm like, oh, I don't know anything about it. Um, so just tell me a little bit about how you started working for Starbucks. I think you started working for them part time and how you learned of their fertility assistance. Right. So Starbucks is an amazing company. I had no idea. Honestly, I didn't even like really <laughs> frequent them that much, maybe here or there. But yeah. uh, what happened is after the show, I had a friend from college that had traveled three hours to come to the show. And we had similar stories where we were just stuck, stuck in our grief and our depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and not really willing to take a step forward, a big leap, because we're afraid of failure that it's just not going to work. So she came to me probably maybe about three, four months after the show and was like, I just found out Starbucks offers IVF benefits. And I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. And I, and she's like, yeah. So I just applied and hopefully I'll get the job. And she did. And I remember I was still just stuck. I was making excuses as to why Starbucks wouldn't work for me. I can't do that. I run a dance company. I'm too yeah. busy. Mm -hmm. There's no way, but she kept checking in on me and, you know, when are you going to apply? You have to apply. Then she got her benefits. Then she did her IVF cycle. Then she got pregnant. Then wow. she gave birth. And I was like, wow. so inspired by her. Cause I'm just yeah. like, wow, you really did that. And she did that while working full time. Yeah. So basically what Starbucks does, they offer part-time benefits to anyone who works 20 hours or more. You mm -hmm. have to work there for at least three months. Mm -hmm. And every, they have several benefit packages that you can choose from, from different major benefit companies. But every single plan includes $25,000 uh, lifetime for IVF and up to $10,000 for your prescription medications for IVF. That's amazing. It is incredible. And I was just like, <laughs> why are you waiting? What are you doing? Yeah. I mm -hmm. have been seeing a therapist and dealing with the emotional and mental issues that, that came with the fertility. Yeah. And, and also my husband, he had been diagnosed with epilepsy. So we had that in the middle. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. we were just, we were dealing with a lot. Dealing with a lot of and stuff. So yeah. I just wanted to be in a certain place. And I, and I just remember one day, uh, along with my, my husband having epilepsy, he had, he had to quit working sometimes and we finally mm. found him a new doctor and got him on a medicine that, and he had, he's been seizure free now for three years now, I think. Oh, so, thank you. Um, yeah. I remember him coming in the house one day and he was like, I got a new job. And I was like, for real? And I just went on the computer and applied for Starbucks. Like it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to apply. And I got the call a week later. And I missed 
So you have to work there for three months to get 20 hours a week. So they audit you and then that's when you can apply. Well, I missed the first round and I was like, man, now I got to work here mm-hmm. even longer. <laughs> <laughs> but I did make it into the second round and was approved for benefits March 1st, 2020. Facing a pandemic. So you work for Starbucks part-time, you get your benefits March 2020. Now we're full on into the pandemic. And so where does that leave you? Mm -hmm. Um, What do you do? Right. So we had some really tough choices to make. It's like we're finally in a financial position where this could work, where we could make it happen. So we had figured out once I switched doctors that our fertility issues were actually male factor infertility. Wow. Uh, Which is why a lot of our issues were kind of mental. We had mental blockages that were stopping Mm -hmm. us because men have a really hard time accepting that they're the problem, mostly because society usually thinks it's the female. Yeah. So once we had figured that out, our doctor told us we would need to do IVF. So getting these benefits was like key. We weren't in a financial bracket where we can just yeah. Shell out this money. Yeah. It's <laughs> so expensive. The average is like twenty to twenty five thousand. Yes. Per cycle. And that is not including med- medication either. So Right, right. <laughs> so we were like, okay. So I get the benefits March first. Now, granted, we're on the East Coast, so things still hadn't amped up. But we were still a little bit in denial, like, oh, that's happening over there in Washington. Yeah. Poor guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> not really wrapping your head around this thing. And so I made my appointment and I still even hesitated then. I was like, but I was like, no, princess, you have like, stop stalling. Like you stalled so many years, like get this appointment set up. So I probably, I got the insurance March 1st and I didn't even set up my appointment to like March 10th. And again, wow. we still hadn't had any state of emergency, any kind of protocols happening in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so I made my appointment and it was set up for April. Uh, I forget the date, but it was like mid Aprilish. And sure enough, by the end of that week, our governor issues a state of emergency wow. and pretty much shuts us all down. Like once everything to stop, pulls the kids out of school. Like he announced it that Thursday, the kids didn't go to school on Monday. Restaurants had to close and do delivery only. Oh, gosh. And it was just like, oh, we can't do this. (laughs) This is a sign. (laughs) (laughs) And so we were really leaning towards not doing it. Mm. And I'll be honest, the only reason why we went forward is two reasons. One, the office called to let us know they will still be taking appointments. So they didn't cancel on us. So that was an opening that that we needed. Mm -hmm. And then two... I didn't want to work at Starbucks the rest of my life waiting yeah. for a pandemic again. You're like, I, I'm here with a purpose. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad job. It's actually a lot of fun, but yeah, uh, yeah not my calling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so I was like, so we just sat and we talked and we weighed out. I was like, you know what? I, what was my kind of like, I was like, babies were still being born when the Spanish flu was a thing. Mm-hmm. And some of those babies live to tell the story. Their parents live to tell the story of birthing a child and having a child during a time like that. 
Mm-hmm. Like life still went on. Move forward. And so exactly. I was like, you know, let's just do it. Yeah. And just be really careful. Um, and our yeah. clinic was really careful. They scheduled us. In, so I never really ever saw other clients in the building. Okay. Um, at the, at the very beginning, cause we started in April mm-hmm. and our first round. Yeah, it went, it went really well. And they still let Shane come in, which was really good because yeah. right now he's not allowed to come in to any of the appointments. Yeah. So I'm which glad is, he was able yeah. to have, have that, so that experience. Yeah. It's been interesting. It hasn't been like the worst experience. Mm-hmm. And because this is our first pregnancy, we don't really have, mm-hmm. Anything to compare it to, like, oh, yeah. when we had Junior, yeah. you know, we had all this. So, and in case people missed it, so you did during this pandemic, you did the your first IVF and you conceived during yes. the pandemic. <laughs> yes, so you we conceived on your first try during the the yes, but that ended up being a chemical pregnancy, so we had to do a second round. Wow. Okay. Yes. Okay. So um, on your second round, then you conceived again. Yes. And now how far along are you? I am 18 and a half weeks. <laughs> Claps. I know. It's so exciting. It's like so I wish exciting. I had a bell I could ring. Like, yeah. I know. <laughs> but that's amazing to you know, even go through that process and then go through the pandemic and then get pregnant, you know, on the first try doing IVF and then your second time getting pregnant again, you know, and just advancing throughout your pregnancy. Um, That's a really, really big deal. And the pandemic kind of gave us time that we didn't always have because the dance company kept me really busy, especially at night. And so I was able to really focus in on our IVF at that time. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to like, you know, take care of my clients. And it was just, it was really about us. And it Mm kind of blanketed us to be able to have this, excuse ourselves from society to go take care of this. (laughs) It was kind of a gift in, in some ways as well. Confront your fears. What advice, having gone through your journey, which, you know, really started in 2013 and up to now, just give women and even men, because we know infertility isn't just on the female, although a lot of times emphasis is always put on us. Um, Just give some advice to other couples, to other men, to other women who are dealing with infertility and who are thinking about doing fertility treatments or people who are on the fence, not sure what to do, just share a little advice from your standpoint and, you know, encourage others. Um, What would you have to say? Yes. So I think the biggest thing for me was learning how to navigate insurance and understand Mm -hmm. what, what is offered. Um, If you're applying for a new job, ask them about their fertility benefits, research organizations that offer fertility benefits because like Starbucks does, but I've also learned since then that Amazon has fertility benefits, CVS. So it's different Mm -hmm. places out there that might be within your, your preferred job market um, where you can still have it all. Be willing to 
confront your fears and your emotions. Don't run away from them because when you do, you end up spending a lot of time. Yeah. Time that you just don't have. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> as I've learned. Because I just spent so much time in denial or or having um you know, my, my Christian faith for me sometimes mm-hmm. got in the way. Yeah. Because um so many, you know, so many pastors and people around me wanted to pray the baby into my womb. Yeah. Um and ignore mm-hmm. the science. Yeah. Which is the science that God constructed. Exactly. So, exactly. You know, examining your faith and where it lies, is your faith really really exactly. in the God you serve or is it into the people that are around you? Uh you exactly. gotta shut out some of that noise and really focus yeah. in on your journey, your personal journey, even even from other people who are dealing with fertility. Yeah. Uh sometimes you run into the people who are like experts on infertility because they've dealt with it and, but not really understanding that everybody's story is totally different. Exactly. Um, so just be aware of, of things like that that you'll run into. But yeah. definitely find a tribe, find people that you can confide in that hear you and understand you because you're going to need that. Um, yeah. and, and people so have to understand that, that it's for me. Yeah. People have to understand that God is also in the science, right? You know, we don't have to, you know, separate the two, you know, me coming from um, a background, my parents were ministers and mm-hmm. it was kind of like more of the same where everyone was kind of against me doing fertility treatment. Um, but, you know, my daughter is here now, she's 15 months. And had I not used my faith to push forward and go through those steps, you know, my daughter might not be here, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that people, and even from your experience, you know, being a person of faith, being a person who believes in God as well, that people should understand even from your story that we don't have to separate the two. Like we can still pray and we can still believe in God and we can still, you know, follow this IVF path. Right. Mm -hmm. And it'll all come together. It will. And and it does. And, and I, I sometimes I really had to accept that we may not ever Mm -hmm. get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And sometimes because I had, accepted that and I kind of given myself the expectation sometimes I deal with this guilt now that we are and so also be ready for that for like when you get to this other side it's just this really weird space yeah (laughs) I've been there (laughs) I'm Sinhara Eastman and thank you for listening to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast you can stay connected with this movement on my website Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please join my mailing list at blackgirlsguidetofertility.com and on sanharaeastman.com. And please be sure to check out the first two episodes of my web series that's currently on YouTube.